You are listening to the Catholic Recon Podcast, testimonies from Catholic reverts and converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. Don't forget to leave a review and enjoy this week's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Catholic Recon Testimonies from Reverts and Converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask, and this week's guest is an author, a blogger, and solo traveler. It's Denise Mercado, and you got to check out her website. I was actually quite fascinated by her website. Very well done in the blog section specifically. DeniseMercado.com. And also, I know we'll get into this later, but she just released a book. It's on Amazon, Mary's Life Journey and Her Amazing Yes. So I invite you to visit Amazon and pick up a copy of that. And Denise, first of all, thank you. Thank you for being here. And thank you for your witness of even writing. That's tremendous. What a what a gift. It is a gift. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, what I wanted to mention is... Didn't you, didn't I see this on your site for a while? I don't know where you are now, but you were ranking for the Marian. There's a, a yeah. category right on Amazon related to Mariology, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, and we ranked number one for about about a couple of weeks. That's yeah, excellent. a couple of weeks, which was really nice. So oh, that's nice. We're good. Well, great. Um, well, for those that have not come across your site and those that have not come across anything that you've worked on. Why don't you go back in time and, and let us know how the, the journey began for you? Okay, the journey with the book. Okay. Well, well no, the journey, the journey with the book, as well as the journey in general with your Catholic. Faith. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So I was born and raised, I was, you know, I'm a cradle Catholic, born Catholic, and um, uh, very strong in my faith. On, and then I became a teenager, and that changed things. And I just... Um, I got tired. I, my, my faith became obligation and I didn't, I got tired of all that. And I realized all the rules were there. That's all I saw. So I left. Um, and my husband was also raised Catholic and he left too. So we were kind of floundering out there, but what brought us back was our youngest son, Danny, um, had meningitis when he was six months old and that left him with severe disabilities. And, I, at that point, we realized we were headed in the wrong direction. We needed to turn around. And we we went back to um, to our faith, but not, not to Catholicism. We went back to Christianity and went back into the Protestant world, not even realizing what we were doing. Um, and amazingly enough, we, we learned so much. It was a resting place that I knew God allowed us to be in. But when all was said and done, there was something there was something missing. And I we couldn't figure out what it was until finally one day we looked at each other and we thought, it's the Eucharist. We miss the Eucharist. And we miss the Blessed Mother, uh, the Rosary. I mean, no one outside the Catholic Church really talks about the Blessed Mother. And so we came back and I decided when I came back that I was not going to just be a person in the pew going through this Catholic aerobics of kneeling, sitting and standing, I really wanted to be, I wanted to understand Catholicism and I really wanted to join in and have a closer relationship with God. So I studied and I researched and I, I read, I'm an avid reader and I'm very particular about what I read. I read a lot of spiritual books and um, uh, most of them are Catholic, some of them are not, but because I like to see both sides of issues. Um, but um, 
one day in October 2019, I read Father Calloway's book on the champions of the rosary. So my mother said a rosary every day. My grandmother said a rosary every day. I received my first rosary at, um, at my first communion and carried it with me religiously. But that's all I did with it was carry it. <laughs> I never really did anything with it. So when I read this book, I was determined to find out more about it. And it was a phenomenal book. But when all was said and done, after I finished that, I, you know, I thought, I thought about Mary a lot. And I thought, what made her say yes? And why, you know, why did she say yes so quickly? She didn't even ask to think about it. And so um, I started digging and writing and digging and writing. And, I, you know, I'm retired. I didn't think I would be writing a book. But um, God has plans. God has a plan. So um, then quarantine came along. And uh, I figured, well, as long as I don't lose the Internet or, or electricity, I'm good. So I kept writing. And... Um, when all was said and done, and I, I had an 84,000 word manuscript about the rosary, about all the mysteries of the rosary. And um, I knew I needed to get it out, but I got scared because I had no credentials. And I thought, oh, who are you to write this book? And so um, I, I gave it finally after taking it on and off the shelf, I gave it to my friend who happens to be a retired religious education director. And I said, will you read this? And she said, absolutely. And she read it. And we spent a couple of weeks going back and forth, um, taking some things out, putting some things in and just tweaking me a little bit. And then I asked her if she thought it was worthy of publication. And she said, absolutely. So that took me down the road to publication. So that's like kind of my story in a nutshell, really. Wow. So a few questions, several questions. Um, what type of Protestant church were you going to and for how long and what what ages were both of you you and your husband when you were going to that church okay so my my son um uh was born in 1982 and he got sick in 1982 and we were in our 20s when all that happened and we left you know we we kind of decided we were going to go back we we got introduced to non-denominational churches Got it. And we figured, okay, that would be a safe place right in the middle. <laughs> it wasn't a safe place. I mean, it was it was good for us. No, I hear we, you. I hear you. Yeah. We had a really great church and some really great pastors. But again, I sat there and I thought, you guys are only going so far. You, you know, you're having communion, but it's not really communion. You're, what are you doing? You know, and so um, that it took us three years to realize that we were there for three years. And then we we just said, we just need to go back home. We got homesick. We knew that we missed the Eucharist. We, we we were tired of just living on the edge. We wanted to really be fully involved. Now, do you remember, because you said you kind of looked at each other and, you know, realized that you were missing the Eucharist. Do you remember how that played out? Do you remember that? It, was it truly on the same day or you both kind of, did you keep some of that to yourself? Like, what is, I feel like yeah, I have I, a yearning for something, but what the heck is it? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I absolutely remember the day that I, I told my husband I wanted to go to this non-denominational church. And he said, we're Catholic. We don't belong there. So I remember that <laughs> day very clearly. But we weren't practicing Catholic. So it was just kind of, you know, but um, I kind of as I was going to this other church and then he joined me and we were just and our family came, our children came with us. 
we started learning things. And again, we, you know, I started keeping these things to myself. And then one day I sat down with my husband and said, something's missing. I don't understand. He said, yeah, you know what's missing. And so we had this conversation and we realized it. He realized it. I realized it. And, and, and we know we need to go back home. Got it. So then when you talk about, you don't want to just be in the pews, I think that that speaks to many people that you know, in your case, it's, it sounds what I call it. It's a reversion. You know, I was raised Catholic and exactly. up in a non-denominational church for 10 years and then and mm-hmm. returned. Um, and when you come back, a lot of people, they don't just, okay, I'm back. There's a fire inside of them. Yes. So can you speak yes. to that a little bit and what, what that looks like? Yes, I, I really was. I did not. I wanted to understand what the mass was all about, because really up until that point, I, all I knew was the aerobics part of the mass, you know, kneeling, sitting, standing, and not doing things on cue. So I was reading books that talked about the mass. And my favorite book that explained it was Dr. Scott Hahn and the, and the Lamb's Supper. I mean, that was just, that opened my eyes completely. And I thought, okay, I get this now. So, um, you know, I just, I dug into that. I dug into the Eucharist. I dug into the Blessed Mother and the Rosary. I mean, just things that, um, you know, that, were, that I knew in my, I mean, my first grade teacher in Catholic school taught me the rosary, but I really didn't learn it until a few months ago. So, you know, it's just, it took me 65 years to get there, but you know, it's okay. I got there. Yeah. And as it relates to the rosary, what, what I find interesting about the rosary is how long you can recite it. Well, this speaks to your aerobics comment, how long you can do an action Right. And not understand why you're doing it, what you're supposed yeah. to be doing. Well, so then to those that don't understand Catholicism, you that vain repetition objection yeah. starts to seem, whoa, whoa, whoa. Am I just repeating for the sake of repeating? Am I kneeling for yeah. the sake of kneeling? And did, did you find that reflecting on the mysteries and really training yourself to do that? is what opened the doors or how, how did it, how did it work for you? Well, in father Calloway's book, he has this chart of all different rosaries. And I right away grabbed that book and ran to my mom and said, did you know there were different kinds of rosaries? And she was like, what? And so we both learned something, but um, we, so I dug into all, I took all the rosaries, all the mysteries of the Franciscan rosary, the Brigitine rosary, the Servite rosary and the Dominican rosary put them in chronological order, and then wrote a little bit about each of them. That's what's in my book. But as I wrote about them, I I use the spiritual exercises from St. Ignatius on placing yourself in the mystery. I mean, that is just awesome. So I did that. I did some, some really researching. But what I found was so amazing was that there are an awful lot of Protestant theologians who say Catholic things, who agree with Catholic teachings. And I wonder, like, for example, Martin Luther agrees with the Immaculate Conception. He believes in the Immaculate Conception. So I wonder how many Protestants actually know that. And so that was another reason why, you know, when I, as I grabbed all this information, I thought this book is not just going to be for Catholics. It's for everybody. It's for everybody who really can be drawn to that picture on the cover. Um, they should be able to to open that book and really relate to it in some way, shape or form and, and be challenged to go deeper. That's the whole point. I love it. I love it. And 
the Ignatian spirituality and the exercises, uh, I tried that as well. And I started mm -hmm. with uh, the agony in the garden. Mm. I, I couldn't even get through three minutes and I just started <laughs> bawling. Yeah. And yeah. that's when I knew yeah. I was finally accessing a part of my heart that I had never accessed. Yeah. I had never known how to place myself in mm. a scene, but you need that guide. So, mm -hmm. so first of all, 84,000 words. How long is the book? The book is, um, uh, well, it's got 22 pages of footnotes. I got over 400 footnotes. Oh my! God. So it's about 185 pages without the footnotes. Okay. Got okay. it. Okay. And so, um, but yeah, over 400 footnotes. I mean, I really dug, I, I mean, I, I was in quarantine. I had nothing to do but read and, you know, and study. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, do you come across now years later, do you come across people, Catholics, raised Catholic that had also done similar things to what you did as it relates to going to a non-denominational church thinking it's not necessarily middle ground, but this seems inviting. I mean, that's one of the things that spoke to me. Okay. It's inviting. I don't even know what I believe. I mean, I was in my twenties and didn't certainly didn't know my Catholic faith very well. Yeah. Um, yeah. so have you, have you come across people like that? Because I always find yeah. that very fascinating. No, the people, a lot of people that I know, and there is quite a few that I know that have left the Catholic church, but they left angry because of things that happened in our church. And I'm sitting here thinking, uh, so when something happens in the church, you're going to now, are you going to run someplace else? I mean, it's just, whenever you get a group of people together, you know, people on this side of heaven will always disappoint you, even if they're wearing collars. And so, you know, so you have to kind of look at what's what's the truth, not the people, but what's the truth. And then you work around those people and you you move those people out of the way if you have to. But you don't you don't leave it. But they uh, those are the people that I know that have left. They've left because they're angry at the church and they've but, gone someplace else. But OK, are, with the people that you're thinking of. They are still going to a Christian church. In yes, they're going to non-denominational Christian churches. Yes. Got it. Yeah. We noticed that as well. I mean, at the time when I was in that church and I heard, Oh, former Catholic here, former Catholic, yeah. former Catholic, former. And you just you hear that so much. And then I thought of myself, I don't even know that I thought former Catholic. I, I told someone, a pastor or elder, you know, Oh, I was, you know, raised Catholic. And the common response is, Oh, you and many, many others. And so it speaks directly to the hemorrhaging that the church talks about. Yes. And when you boil, when you really get down to, as they say in sales, what, you know, what are the pain points? What were the pain points? And you're absolutely right. I've heard people say that a priest didn't show up for a, a visit that he was supposed to make. I'm out. Uh, a church member was expecting too much of that person yep. when they were asked, when they were volunteering and they were asked to do just too much and they were almost like taken advantage of and they didn't speak up instead they went to another church and what i'm trying to say is what you said is happening um on a regular basis but logically you would have to say if someone disappoints you what would keep you it, 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 what, what would keep you from leaving the next the eucharist Church. The Eucharist, yeah. What keeps you from leaving is is the truth. The Eucharist, the Trinity, the Blessed Mother. I mean, that's that's what you're there for. You don't go to mass because it's a social club. 
Correct. That's not what we go there for. We go there for to, to worship God and to so you know, do you need greeters at the door? Well, maybe you do, but maybe sure. you don't. You know what I mean? You know, you know, so well, and, so and it's I, a different concept. Yeah, and I think that if more of us, and this is what we're all trying to do, if more of us know our faith, then those things start to matter less and less and less. And mm -hmm. you start to see the Holy Eucharist in a new way. And right. you start to see the Holy Mass in a new way. But if you mm -hmm. don't understand the elements and you just see aerobics, well, it's going to be easy to be disappointed by, by someone next to you or right. in a group that you joined, a Bible study, and they right. said something offensive. And you say, you know what? I'm out of here. So You, you have know. to be committed and you have to be willing to dig deep and, and learn. I mean, if you, if you, it's like anything, if you want to take apart a car, you've got to read the manual. You've got to dig into it and find out all the parts and figure it out. If you're not willing to do that, the car is not going to get made. That's all there is to it. And so that's pretty much the way I feel about faith. I mean, you can have an opinion, but it's not about opinions. It's about faith. It's about digging in and, and moving forward and reading and studying and learning and asking those hard questions, rolling up your sleeves and getting in there. That's very, so, very well said. Um, if I may, I'm curious about, you know, you found out about your son at the age of six months, right? Meningitis. Right. Um, and that really impacted you and just yes. the journey that you were on at that point. Can you speak a little bit more to that and how that played out and how, you know, did you get on your knees to pray like God? Uh, well, so I was raised Catholic. I went to 10 years of Catholic school. Two of those years was Catholic high school. And then we, we bought a house in Long Island. My parents did. And I finished high school in a predominantly Jewish neighborhood. So I had a little bit of a, a transition there. And um, so when my son got sick, um, even though I had that solid background, I was convinced that he got sick because I was just a rabble rouser. I just, I walked away from, from the church and wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. That is not Catholic teaching, but that is what I believe I heard, okay? From everyone, my family, everyone around me that was Catholic. Um, I, you know, you have selective hearing at that age too. And so, um, but I, I had, it took me a while to realize that that was not, that was not the truth coming from the church. And so I spent a long period of time blaming myself for what happened to him. And so that was another reason why I thought, well, let me go back. But I was almost ashamed to go back, which is why the, the non-denominational church opened a door for me. And I thought, yeah, yeah, this will be just as good. <laughs> this will be fine to go right here. You know, so that's, yeah. That's very, very honest. It's like, yeah, if yeah. you really dig into it, maybe there's shame in there. And yeah. I would say, I would say in many respects, the same thing happened to me. It's one thing to not know your faith, of course, but right. there might be something else going on as well right. as to why you wouldn't want to return if you know right. that it's so, um, as you said earlier, the truth and the truth right. hurts, <laughs> the yes. truth hurts, right? So, yeah. Yeah. And I really, and I, I, like I said, I love the pastors and the people that I met in the non-denominational churches. It was wonderful. Um, but I only felt like I was going so far. And I, and I mentioned this in the book that, you know, we have to realize the world is not flat, you know, it's round. And so don't be afraid to get to the edge because it's not the edge, you know, just keep going, you know, because God's not going to let you fall off. 
And so that's what I really felt like was happening when they go, they wouldn't talk about Mary because, you know, they wouldn't just talk about her. I was like, she's the mother of Jesus. Why, why aren't we talking about her? It's just, but they wouldn't talk about her. They wouldn't talk about the Eucharist. It's just a symbol, even though they believe everything else is, you know, whatever it says in the Bible is truth. Well, what happened to John 6? You know, how do you not believe that? You know, so it's kind of, it's just a different, you know, I, I just not, I, I did a lot of searching and I, and I found it. I found it back in the Catholic Church. And there's so many people who have done this circle. You know, they've either left and come back or so they true. weren't there and they came back. They, and the, you know, they were real close and then they just dug in and they came back. It's like, you have to dig in. You can't just sit out there and say, well, my opinion is, and I think, you know, this, this, and this, but you have no foundation for it. I really yeah. think that that's what God calls the lukewarm. I think that's what frustrated him was that was that 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 they didn't we weren't willing to dig in and make a commitment and see it through. Yeah, I think that you know in our experience as well, you'd hear about um, a lot of the uh, we're going to dig deep or unpack this verse or this mm -hmm. book of the Bible, mm -hmm. but it would always be not always I shouldn't say that, but a lot of times it seemed in isolation. And when I returned mm. to the Catholic Church, I mean, all I had to do was go to one mass and to right. see the old and the new. It, it was in a, it was presented in a way that I thought, what the heck? How you can say sola scriptura and and right. firmly believe that, but which parts of scripture and are all things piecemeal, or do you grab other verses when convenient? So. I have, you know, uh, just like you, great relationships from that period of time. And, but mm -hmm. I, but I think you're absolutely right that um, that's why it's called the fullness of the faith, the, the, the Catholic right. faith, because that's when you start to see the com the communal aspect of everything, the familial aspect of of everything, and it all comes together. Um, mm -hmm. Back to your book, I wanted to ask you, how is it? How do you take readers on the journey? What is what is the breakdown of the of the progression? If if you have if you can speak to that. So the first part of the book is really uh, the history. The first part of the book is focusing on Mary's upbringing. Okay, which took me to the apocryphal gospels, which I got I when I saw that I thought, all right, these aren't approved. Should I really be digging in here? But then I saw commentary about those apocryphal gospels from Saint Augustine, Saint Jerome. Um, St. Thomas Aquinas. And I thought, well, I know those guys. I could get in there. So, so I, I, I dug in and, um, and learned that. So that's the first part of the book, um, really looking at some of those gospels and the commentary and the input from a lot of different sources. Uh, there's even some pieces in there about the Quran. I mean, really, I mean, I really found some really great things. So the first part is about Mary's life. Yep. The second part of the book is all those rosaries, all those mysteries put in chronological order. And, and we just write about each of them. We place ourselves in there. So we're kind of teaching people also how to meditate. You're not just repeating these, this prayer because Mary specifically says it's not for repetition. Put this together with a mystery and tell St. Dominic, preach my Psalter, you know, preach the, the Ave Maria, preach it. And so put the mystery together with the with the, the decade and preach that. So that's that was the whole point of this. So um, that's the second part of the book. 
and you put in, there's a little bit of my history. My, ch my child is in there, my children, my husband. My husband passed away five years ago. All of that's in there. Um, you know, it's just, you can't, you can't do the sorrowful mysteries without really thinking about all the stuff that you've been through too. And you should be able to do that when you're praying that rosary. You should be able to think about what you've been through and relate it to what Jesus has been through. And you can put the connections there. And then you could see how he has gotten you through these things. Wow. So yeah. do you do you also focus on the spiritual fruits or the spiritual gifts of each mystery? Because that was new to me up until maybe a year and a half ago where I was learning how to at least get to that mental space to picture the agony, to picture the scourging, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But then the spiritual fruit, what should come from that? You know, purity should come from this. Uh, obedience right. to the holy will of God should come from, you know, did you did you touch on that as well? I'm just curious. Not, not in each one of those specifically, but those things are coming out as we as we look at the research that was that was being done. We look at the spiritual exercise, placing yourself in there and in, in the scripture, and and just all the, the way it was written. You're going to get that out of there, but you're not. If we didn't specifically say each of those gifts, got it. No, no, no. that's that's that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and like you said, if you're uh, aligning it with your personal life, because there are clearly in your life, just briefly what you described, you've had some crosses, much like what? everyone else, if you start to think about what was uh, a trial for you. And then mm -hmm. I think, well, back to my point about spiritual uh, fruit of a mystery for carrying of the cross. I've heard various spiritual uh, fruits, but one of them is uh, patient bearing of trials. Yeah. And <laughs> Just, I struggle with that. <laughs> I really see patience is not something I, yeah. And you know what you get, you know, um, I always struggle with why do we have to spend Tuesday and Friday saying the sorrowful mysteries? Why can't we just go right into the glorious mysteries on three days a week? You know, I mean, why can't we do something different? Said, but there is a connection to what we went through and what God went through. And, and so that's important, but there are the other mysteries there's the um, joyful mysteries, the, and that starts it all. And the Bridgetine Rosary is the only rosary that starts with the Immaculate Conception, which is really the beginning. The other rosaries don't start that way. So you you have to look at all of them together as you walk through, because then, uh, then you'll be able to understand the glorious mystery that ends with the Assumption and the Coronation. Yeah. And, and Protestants say, well, that's not scriptural, but it is when you do all this research and you see all this, it is. And so that's that's what I'm hoping that they'll see. No, that's well, well done. So how are you marketing that? If you, if you do want some of the Protestant audience to fathom the the church's teaching, historic teaching, what how, do you have plans to, to reach uh, yes. some of them? The plans are, are uh, it's like a work in progress here when making them work. Um, I'm part of Facebook groups. I'm, I'm connected to the Catholic Writers Guild for one thing. And I have just put my book in for a couple of awards um, with the Catholic Media Association and some other um, non-Catholic organizations. Um, I've joined some Facebook groups that are not Catholic as well as Catholic to kind of push out there. 
it's difficult. Um, but but I think the cover. I want to I want to see the cover. You know, if the cover will do. You know, get entice people to pick it up and read it. Good for you. I don't have a plan right now. Like I said, it's plan. It, it, it yeah. evolves every day. Something adds to it. So so that's yeah. what we're doing. Do you have no. a suggestion? Because I'm open. <laughs> no, no, no. We sh we should talk about it. I just think that um, a big some people that have not gone to a non-denominational church, especially Catholics, may not understand what it's like to be in the shoes of a Protestant. I think that that was a grace in a roundabout way. We have yes. no idea. You know, we say what I made mistakes and I was lost. Yeah, but God was doing something right. through that. So I think that you are able to, I'm able to, at least we think we can get in the shoes of the Protestants. And so right. when we were in that uh, circle, one of the things that I heard was this idea of when you hear Mary or you hear rosary, you don't think intercession. You right. think it's a completely different thing. And you throw out words that, that you read from the Old Testament that have nothing to do with intercession, right. like necromancy right. and all this other stuff. Right. And divination. Right. And anyway, um, but what I think is important, and I know there are a lot of apologists that are doing this right now, is to continually uh, reinforce the aspect of intercession at the mm -hmm. time, at the same time contemplating Christ, contemplating mm -hmm. the Holy Family, contemplating mm -hmm. these things. And I hope and I pray that that type of language will over time continually help Protestants understand what this is, mm -hmm. intercessory, and how the the um, there is a cloud of witnesses. And it's right. not just, you know, your friend on earth that is praying for you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think there's a strong fear. And the only way you can you can get over fear is by moving. You have to move in it. I was afraid to, to publish the book. I thought, who are you to write this book? And I left it. And I realized God does not want me to live in fear. I've got to take it off the shelf and do something with it. And then I had to think about, well, where am I going to do with it? And then I thought of my friend, you know, so you've got to do something if you're afraid. And I think a lot of what it's not just Protestants, Catholics too. I mean, a lot of the Catholics are praying the rosary. They're just saying words and they don't really get it. I mean, I've let, I've met a lot of Catholics who are went through CCD, but did not go to Catholic school and the rosary is important to them, but they really don't know how to do it. You know, they really don't know how to do it or say it or, or understand it. Or they fall asleep with it, which is how you start out, but you got to keep going, you know, kind of. So, um, yeah, I think this book's going to help everybody. I, I love it. I love it. You you absolutely nailed it. What you described, I would bet 95% of people deal with. I Who am I? Why? Yeah. I, and you start to think negative thoughts about yourself and your abilities and all this other garbage. Right. right. <laughs> and then you put it out there. And I, I can say, in my case, you put it out there and then you say, why did I put it out there? Uh, this I was not, yeah. you know. <laughs> I got like, oh God, and I'm praying as I go and I'm like, okay, Lord, it's your, I'm writing this book about your mother. Okay. I'm writing about your mother. <laughs> well, That's excellent. So excellent. Oh, I want to thank you so much for uh, your yes. That is a nice <laughs> parallel. Mary said, yes, you said yes to write a book and put it out there. Uh, phenomenal reviews. Uh, I have yes. to say that as well. And your testimony, um, a lot of people can relate to that.
I think I'm going to yeah. go to this church on the corner or, you know, a lot of people are talking about this church over here. I think I need yeah. to check it out uh, and then return home for the Eucharist. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, God bless you. Thank you again uh, Thank for, you. This, for this time. And everyone, please share, buy the book, comment, like, subscribe. And until next time, take care and God bless.